Steel Toes and Scoreboards Podcast. Like us on Facebook and Twitter. Hey, Kurt, you want a hot take? Yeah. Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. He was a great two-strike hitter. Bill Lambeer would have made Shaq piss himself. You really think so? It's Shaq, dude. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Fun fact, Kurt. I love deep stats. Good research, bro. <laughs> Word association. Greatest of all time. Tell me how you really feel about pro sports. These contracts are out of control. Some people might not like that. Well, I'm going to pay some people off. <laughs> well, I mean, you sure will. <laughs> You're the baseball guru, though, man. Shout out to my coach, Joe Rodmaker. Well, it is a digital world these days. Yeah, I'm an analog man. Tiger Woods. Mount Rushmore, bro. Coach Bobby Knight. IU misses him, no doubt. Times have changed. But for the better of the worst. Well, that's, that's arguable. I'll tell you right now, though. I'm, uh, it's modern age. I'm not drug testing for pot anymore in any sport. It's a damn plant. <laughs> they fire and suspend these guys for weed? Ridiculous. I'm a fountain sure of bet. useless pro wrestling. Sure now. bet. Sure bet. <laughs> Sound like Adam Sweet. Sure bet. <laughs> he was a role model for millions. Rest in peace, Mamba. Team Ali. Team Tyson. You know what? Fuck it. You're baseball's new commissioner. I don't want that job. (laughs) Oh, horse shit. Come on, bro. Magic vs. Bird. What a rivalry. Okay, okay. Boost ratings. Asses in the seat. You know what? Hot take. Tap the mic. He's the best I've ever seen. Nobody compares to him. Look at his legacy. All right, guys, another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards coming to you now. Jared Atkins alongside Kirk Kelly, guys. Welcome to another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. How's it going, man? How you doing, bro? Uh, I'm going. Got a little McDonald's in our belly. Yeah. Shout out, McDonald's. Yes. Uh, I was telling Kurt, we're a uh, timestamp here. It is uh, Friday November the 11th, about 12.02 p.m. This is the only the second Friday episode we've ever done at Kurt Houts. Uh, the first one being the commissioner episode yeah, of baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them are uh, Saturday nights at Kurt's house, a couple Fridays at mine, a couple Sundays at Kurt's house, a Sunday at mine. A couple remote. A couple remote, but not very often we're here at Kurt's house on a Friday, but... uh you know, schedule changes and whatnot right, and right. with the kids, and yeah. we wanted to get this one in the can. That way we can go ahead and record next Saturday night like we usually do. So, uh, did, did you have a good week at work? Whew, man, I tell you what, that time change is fucking depressing. It, it, I don't know. It, it, <laughs> it made for ba- longer days. Yeah, it kind of baffles me why we got to change time. But uh, when it gets dark, it's dark, and when it's light, it's light. Going to work in the dark now and officially coming home in the dark working two jobs. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, well, we got a treat today. Yes. Uh, my notes, this is what I saved my notes as. Uh, Jack versus Arnie, Battle of the Golf Gods. It's high noon. It's high noon. Well, are we at St. Andrews, or where are we? Yeah. Augusta? Let's go Augusta. We're going we're gonna to be in Augusta. So, uh, who really is the GOAT? Uh, mm. We may or may not find out. This episode... Uh, I kind of dropped the ball on Kurt here. I uh, I have about 90% of the notes done. I didn't finish putting in everything I wanted, so 
You know how many notes I have? Just uh, film study from film YouTube. Study. <laughs> from YouTube. <laughs> that is your number one job is film study, so you can. Uh, but uh, you know, whatever we need, I got my uh, phone as a hotspot out here in the middle of nowhere, and you're. It's working. It's working, so I can hop right on the Google machine. Uh, I'm gonna start by saying what we have decided to start doing every episode. Uh, to the best of our knowledge, all information talked about today is factual and true. Uh, anything that's not, you know, hit us, let us yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and any audio that you may hear, if we play any, does not belong to us. And all copyrights go to the proper parties and ownerships. That could be the ending song of the day. That could be clips from um, them guys on the course, right, whatever. Right. Uh, we own absolutely no content except uh, the content that we discuss back and forth. Yes. So, uh, that being said, it's freaking cold out there. Uh, before we before we get started, a uh, couple things. We it's been about three weeks since we've done one. Yeah. It's been one of our longer breaks. Yeah. A lot of stuff's going on. OBJ, I guess, is uh, headed to Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about that, but yeah. Braves won the World the Series. series. Yep. Um, in six. Uh-huh. IU basketball started back up. Yeah, in yep. six. Fuck you, by the way. Uh, I had Houston in seven. Uh, IU basketball started back up. Uh, not a whole lot of NBA talk. Uh, right. Hockey's in uh, mid-season form. Or not even mid-season. Hockey's about a month in. It's just there a lot of shit going on. A lot of on. shit going on, yeah. Good time of year, yeah. Um, deer, deer hunt starts morning tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, gun right. uh, firearm season opens in the morning. Yep. And uh, as I mentioned in our remote recording a few weeks ago, um, we'd like to dedicate this episode and say thank you to all active and retired members of the United States Armed Forces. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah, we uh, we can't do this without you guys, so uh. Thank you guys for your service. Yes. Yesterday was Veterans Day. Yep. All right. Um, well, I'm feeling a little stuffy, as you can hear it in my voice. Yeah, but, uh, I can hear that. So let, let's get into this. Uh, the way we're going to present this episode today, even though it's Jack versus Arnie, and like I always feel, uh, which people have said they, they like hearing background information, basically... There'll be a lot of background information right. about both these guys from their career starts to ending and then some about the rivalry. And we'll just uh, we'll get into it. And before we get into it, we'll as we've kind of started really 20 episodes in now, we've really started to get a format. We'll go ahead and plug somebody to to get the day started. And um, since it's deer season, yep. uh, check out Deer 30 Mineral. Uh, on the internet, deer30mineral.com. Check them out on Facebook. This is serious, hardcore nutrition for your herd, uh, guaranteed to increase the absolute impressiveness of your trophy case. Uh, they have a bunch of great products. Uh, nothing's better than their clock stopper. And as Kurt always famously says, uh, everybody likes big. Every guy likes a big rack. Yeah, everybody sure. likes a big rack. Take that for what you will. But uh, give them a call, Deer Thirty Mineral, at two seven zero three three nine seven seven three one, or uh, send them a message on Facebook or an email at deer thirty mineral Local company, pretty local down in Madisonville, Kentucky. So uh, check out Deer Thirty Mineral, guys. And uh, good luck to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Opening morning, be safe. Hope you tag a big one. 
All right, bro. High five. High five. Let's get this started. So Arnold Palmer versus Jack Nicholas. As I always do, I'm going to read the opening paragraph. It's often debated that these two are the be-all, end-all in the world of professional golf. Forget about Tiger Woods for a moment. Many of the masses consider these two to trade the crown back and forth as king of golf. Jack has more majors and more wins, but at the same time, Arnie has stats of his own as well as the adulation and support of the fans. The funny thing about this matchup, Jack often claimed Arnold was the best player he ever saw. Funny thing is, Arnold Palmer did numerous interviews where he said Jack Nicholas was the best he's ever seen. So here we are today, the King versus the Golden Bear. Who do you have? A couple of great gentlemen. I mean, ambassadors. A couple of great for ambassadors for the sport. Yes. So today, Kurt and I are going to go through their respective lives, careers. Eventually, they're head to heads, and we will choose our own on who we think was the possible goat. I know we've made reference to Tiger being the goat. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. But if Tiger's not, it's definitely one of these yeah, two. Absolutely. So I'm going to try to do this without saying uh, as I've listened to <laughs> I, my, every episode uh, 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 because uh, I want to talk it instead of yeah. read it. But uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay, Kurt. So yes. Arnold Daniel Palmer, born September 10th, 1929 in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I did not know that. Cut his teeth on the golf course at a fairly young age. His father was the club professional and the head groundskeeper at Latrobe Country Club, which uh, gave young Arnold a lot of time to watch the other golfers learn and practice while he would accompany his dad. Um, I didn't say uh, I said um. What was he, uh, his, uh, his dad? Is he got his name in there? I did not look I that up. Know. I should have. That's all right. I'm right, curious. Um, well, what a way to grow up, though, right? Arnold attended Wake Forest, Demon Deacons. Demon Deacons. University on a golf scholarship, but he would leave school early after the death of his close friend. When his friend passed away, Arnold Palmer decided to enlist the United States Coast Guard, where he served from 1951 through 1954. At the time, he was in the Coast Guard Training Center in Cape May, New Jersey, he ended up building a nine-hole golf car course to allow him to hone his golf skills. When his enlistment ended, he returned to college and to competitive golf. In 1954, Palmer would go on to win the U.S. Amateur in Detroit and made the decision to turn pro in November of 54. The victory was the turning point in my life, Arnold was quoted as saying. He continued by saying, it gave me the confidence that I could compete at the highest level of the game. I was going to be the best damn player they ever saw. Heck yeah. So. Need a little story on background there on Arnold. Yeah. Um, damn, there's um. He met his future wife, Winnie, as the public would come to know. Winfred Walzer. Uh, they married in... Uh, 54, 53. They were together her whole life. She passed away in 1999. Arnie would go on to live about another 17 years. Uh, on November 17th of 54, Arnold announced his intentions to turn pro. He uh, His first tour one came in his 1955 rookie season when he won the Canadian Open. He earned $2,400, which is $22,000 in 2021 money. <laughs> I mean, dang. That's quite a bit of a jump. 
It's a big inflation. Yeah. I mean, you think about what you said, $100. I said, wow, that's not very much. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. At that time, yes, it was. Yeah. I, got, I, got, I got more money. I love you know I love doing I love doing the inflation thing right. That's why whatever episode we talk about, if I find money, I go and run it down. Over the course of the next several seasons, from fifty five on, Arnie would raise his game. It's he would just he literally would get better every time he stepped onto a tee box. It just continued, and his overall charisma was a major factor in establishing the aura of arnie and making golf um which was relatively new to television making it kind of a must-see thing in the 50s and 60s which kind of set the stage for the popularity that it now has today arnie would win his first major at the 58 masters where he earned eleven thousand two hundred and fifty dollars and affirm effectively established his position as one of the leading stars in golf and then by 1960 he had signed up as uh, Mark McCormick's of pioneers, uh, a pioneering sports agent, one of the first sports agents, as his first client. And going back to what I just said a minute ago, that eleven thousand two hundred and fifty dollars in November of twenty twenty one money, that's over a hundred and three thousand. That's doing pretty good, yeah. So, nineteen fifty eight. Yeah. Um. Later interviews I found in my research, uh, McCormick, like I said, who was one of the – that's why I put pioneering. He was literally one of the first real sports agents in the world, and he represented a golfer. Wow. I would but, have uh, thought he, that. He, he listed five attributes, he said, that made Arnold Palmer marketable, which was his good looks, yeah. which, I mean, I'm confident in my sexuality. And Palmer was a – he was a guy. tall drink yeah. of water back in yeah. the day. Yeah. Um, he had a modest background, you know, his dad, you know, being the club pro and the way he played golf, the way he would take risks, wore his emotions and his heart on his sleeve, his involvement in a string of exciting finishes in the early days of televised golf. Um, Palmer's also credited by many, I did not know this, for securing the status of the Open Championship, back then known as the British Open, among the U.S. players. Before Ben Hogan won the Open Championship in 53, few American professionals had traveled to play overseas in the Open due to the extensive travel requirements, the small purse, and its links-style courses different than what we have here in America. Um, Palmer was noted as saying he wanted to emulate the feats of his predecessors like Bobby Jones, Ben Hogan, and see if you can guess one. Uh, Gary Player, I don't know. No, no, no Sam no. Snead. Sam Snead. Uh, I knew that. Dang it. Palmer traveled to Scotland in '60 to compete in the British Open for the first time. He had already won the Masters Open and the U.S. Open, trying to outshine Ben Hogan's 53 feet, uh, 1953 feet of winning all three tournaments. Palmer played himself what he said were four best rounds of his career, shooting 71, 69, 67, and 69. Getting her done. <laughs> if you if you tack about a hundred onto that sixty nine, that's about what I shoot. You watch me play. Uh, I'm not far behind you, man. Yeah, oh man. I come from the guy whose team won the company golf scramble. Well, we was. Or as Kurt says, there was three. There was one good player and three other guys on the team. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I. Yeah, he was pretty good. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ben. I, I was impressed. Uh, Arnold's scoring of 71, 69, 67, and 69 had the English fans excited, claiming that he might be the greatest golfer to ever play the game. British fans were excited about him playing in the Open. He did not win. He lost to Kel Nagel by a single shot. Um, so, a heartbreak there. But his play in the early 60s convinced many Ameri- convinced many people that American pros that would take the trip to Britain would be worth the effort. And this basically secured Palmer's popularity among the European fans, not just American. He uh, finished runner-up in the 60 British Open. Of course, we just talked about that. But his appearance overseas drew American attention to the British Open, which had been previously ignored by the American golfers. And Palmer's committed um, this. I'm not even reading this. This I'm just trying to find the words. His commitment to this event really set the stage that this is now going to be a, a legitimate major right, right, that right. people that they are going to have to come right across the seas to, to participate in. Um, which is just it's good, yeah. good for the game. Right? Now, you know how I am with my notes. Sometimes I get super excited and I fuck up <laughs> like I do at work when I get super excited. and I. So I've got stuff way ahead of when it should be and way after. So since this is already here in the notes, I'm going to talk about it. Palmer did win seven majors. Now, you think, you know, Jack's got 18, which we'll get to. That's not a lot of majors, but here's the old age debate we always use in sports. Yeah. Does championships always make you the better player? So, anyways, uh, Arnold won the Masters four times, 58, 60, 62, and 64. He won the U.S. Open in 60, and then he won the Open or the British Open in 61 and 62. So, there's a lot of dominance there. Right. Many argue his most prolific years were between 60 to 63 when he won 29 tour stops, including five majors in a four-season span. That's good or done. In 1960, he won the Hickok Belt as the top professional athlete of the year, and Sports Illustrated named him the Sportsman of the Year. Arnie would build up a wide fan base often referred to as, oh, do you know? Uh Arnie's Army or something. Yeah, Arnie's Army. Army. I just just took a guess on it. And in 1967, he became the first man to reach $1 million in career earnings on the PGA Tour. So in November 2021 money, that $1 million career earnings is actually $7.9 million. (laughs) I love him stats. You love that? I like that, yeah. Uh, That's crazy. By the late 60s, Jack Nicklaus and Gary Player had both uh, a, you know, their kind of rivalry was going on, and right. and you know Arnie was coming in, but Palmer won a PGA Tour event every year from '55 to '71, and in '71 he enjoyed a revival, winning four events. He won the Varden Trophy, which is what they give for the lowest scoring average four times: '61, '62, '64, and '67. He played on six Ryder Cup teams. 61, 63, 65, 67, 71, and 73. He was the last playing captain in 63 and the captain of the team again in 75. Arnold Palmer was eligible for the senior tour, which is now referred to as the PGA Tour Champions, from its first season in 1980, and he was one of the marquee names who helped it become successful. He won 10 events on the tour stop, including five senior majors. So, uh, what else we got in here? 
Arnie. Uh, long after he basically stopped winning tournaments, Arnie still remained one of the highest earners in golf due to his appeal to sponsors and the public. In 2004, he competed in the Masters for the last time, marking his 50th consecutive appearance at the Masters. And at his death, which we'll get to, at his death, he and Jack Nicklaus were the only two Masters champions to be regular members of the Masters organizer, Augusta National Golf Club. And from 2007 until his death, he served as an honorary starter for the Masters. He retired from tournament golf on October 13, 2006, when he withdrew from the Champions Tour uh, Small Business Classic after four holes due to that satisfaction with his own play. He would go on to replay the remaining holes, but did not even keep a score. <laughs> Dang, Which I guess if you're regarded as one of the goats, I mean you can kind of do what you want. Yeah. But he must have been pissed. Um, he had a he he did have a uh, and this is what I thought was cool about both these guys. Arnie's always had a business golf type career. Uh, he owned Bay Hill, which everybody knows in uh, Orlando, Florida, uh, which is where the PGA Tour does the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Right. right, right. Uh, and they renamed it Bay Hill Invitational, I think, in 05 or 06, if I remember. He helped founded the Golf Channel, which I love, by the yeah. way. Uh, he negotiated a deal to build the first golf course in the People's Republic of China. Uh, this wow. led to him find, uh, the forming the uh, Palmer Course Design in 1972, which is now called the Arnold Palmer Design Company. Uh, he designed... They think more than 300 golf courses in 35 states, 25 countries, and five continents, with the exception of Africa and Antarctica, including the first modern course ever built in the country of China in 1988. Wow. In 71, he purchased the Latrobe Country Club, where he got his start, where his father was, and owned it until his death. He had licenses and endorsements from... Anywhere under the sun. In 1997, Arnold Palmer and Tiger Woods initiated a civil case in effort to stop the unauthorized sale of their image and signatures in the memorabilia market. The lawsuit was filed against Bruce Matthews, the owner of Gotta Have It Golf, and others. Matthews and Associates counterclaimed that Palmer and his businesses committed several acts of fraud, including breach of contract and um, violations of florida's deceptive and unfair trade purchases act and a whole bunch of bullshit uh you know yeah the judge the jury though rejected the counterclaims and da 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 a whole bunch of shit and they awarded gotta have it 60 dollars in damages which you know whatever yeah uh, Palmer also owned some automotive dealerships. I just thought it was kind of cool. Arnold Palmer Motors. So he had his hand in everything. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck is going on with my notes here? Oh, maybe I should. Uh, technical yeah. difficult. We, we never get through an episode without some sort of difficulties. Please, <coughs> According to Adam Shuppick of Golf Week, he quoted as saying, after, 
after Arnold passed away that no one did more to popularize the sport of golf than Arnold Palmer. Sorry, Tiger. His dashing presence single-handedly took golf out of the country clubs and into the mainstream media. Sorry, Jack. Yeah, um, that's, that's very, very true. I mean, Right. He... Uh, in 2000, he was ranked as the sixth greatest player of all time in Golf Digest magazines. And it's estimated by 2008 he had earned a career total of about $30 million. That one I forgot to fact check how much money would be. Um, It'd be enough. Yeah. <laughs> he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2004, Congressional Gold Medal in 2009. Um, let's see. Kicked off the Masters Tournament. We covered that. <clears throat> In 2012, golf's big three, Palmer, Nicholas, and Gary Player, joined for ceremonial tee shots as the starters of the 76 Masters. Um, damn, there's that um again. Let's see. Of course, Winnie passed away November 20th, 1999. We talked about that. She had ovarian cancer. Palmer's grandson, Sam Saunders, is a professional golfer. We all know Sam. Arnie married his second wife in 2005 in Hawaii. I did not know he got married yeah, again. I did not know that either. Huh. Uh, <coughs> this Arnold Palmer is a member of the most ancient honorable fraternity in mankind. Is he a Freemason? He was bingo. <laughs> Yep. Palmer, uh, Freemason. Palmer used to be a big smoker back in the day. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he he would endorse products and commercials. Later on in life, uh, complete one eighty, <laughs> where he was endorsing probably because of the money. He was endorsing yeah. smoking cessation products. I Palmer think- was a Republican, by the way. He donated money to John McCain, Mitt Romney. And George W. Bush, he was approached multiple times by the Republican Party asking him to run for political office, but he said, nah, fuck that, basically. Uh, he, he was that kind of guy, though. I think he could have made a politician. I mean, uh, Palmer was a pilot as well. I put these notes in here, which I'm not even going to bring these up a whole lot. Just I want everybody to see. Uh, he, was, he was an awesome pilot. He One of his all-time favorite things besides golf was flying. Really? He logged serious cool. flight time. Owned several Cessnas and See, that's um, pretty cool. I, I think it'd be kind of cool to fly, you know. Yeah, until and, you had any trouble or something. And uh, to kind of wrap a bow so far on Arnie, Arnold Palmer passed away September twenty fifth, twenty sixteen, after his eighty seventh birthday. He was awaiting heart <laughs> surgery at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. He was admitted three days earlier to undergo testing to his heart. At his funeral, he was cremated. Huh. Do you want to guess where the king of golf's ashes were, or what do you think happened to the king? I said it back at the start. The La Trobe Country Club was where his ashes were yep. scattered. Yep. His va- his estate was valued at eight hundred and seventy five million dollars at his death, divided between two daughters, his second wife. Eight employees who received $25,000 each and his charity, Arnie's Army, which received over $10 million. Wow. 
Less than a week after his death, he was celebrated by both teams at the Ryder Cup. Uh, Palmer's bag. During the matches, players paid tribute to Palmer, which included wearing a special logo button and pin. And Palmer's original bag that he used from the 1975 Ryder Cup was placed on the first tee as a tribute. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, yeah. Uh, PGA American president at the time, Derek Sprague, quoted as saying, the game has never known a more enthusiastic and sportsman than Arnold Palmer, so it is fitting that we pay tribute to Palmer during the 41st Ryder Cup to celebrate it in a very special way to celebrate the life of an unforgettable champion and a gracious ambassador of the game. And then, put this in here. A Golden Palm Star on the Palm Springs Walk of Stars was dedicated to Palmer on January 1st, 2017. And then the United States Postal Service issued a commemorative stamp honoring Arnold Palmer right before the explosion of COVID on March 4th, 2020. So, uh, I have something I want to read because that wraps temporarily wraps the bow on jet on arnie now i have something i want to do when all when arnie palmer passed away in 2016 jack nicholas did an interview and i would like to read briefly what nicholas had to say about his long dear rival and friend jack nicholas said arnie arnold palmer Arnie, to me, was one of my best friends, closest friends, and he was for a long, long time. I will miss him greatly. He transcended the game of golf. He was more than a golfer or even great golfer. He was an icon, a legend. Arnold was someone who was a pioneer in the sport. He took the game from one level to a higher level, virtually all by himself. Along the way, he had millions of adoring fans, Barbara and myself among them. We were great competitors who loved competing against each other. But we were always great friends along the way. Arnold always had my back, and I had his. We were always there for each other. That never changed. So That's some nice words there, man. Yeah, and this link I'm looking at, too, there's a whole bunch of pictures of him together. Here's a picture with him and uh, Nicholas and Fuzzy Zoller. Fuzzy Zoller. Yeah. So... All right, so that wraps up the episode. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> what about Jack? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jack, you don't know Jack. <laughs> well, I can see right away who you're going to be pulling for. I think, I think we kind of agreed on it. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm already, I mean, how can you not be a fan? Somewhere, and I want to hang it up in our studio one day when it gets built. Uh, Time Magazine, Life Magazine, they always do them commemorative issues when somebody passed away. I bought one in 16 of Arnold Palmer. Now, where it's at, I cannot find it. I looked everywhere because I wanted to bring it along for today's episode. Can't find it. Uh, It'll it'll turn up. So, uh, let's uh, check out Glary Guitars on Facebook. You like like guitars? Oh, yeah. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, Asher finished that uh, Gibson versus fender podcast at uh, lunch yesterday how did that oh man gibson, gibson gibson oh yeah but if you can't afford a gibson right purchase a glary yes. i did bought two of them reasonably affordable instruments 80 dollar acoustics 
play sound like three to five hundred dollar guitars yeah, absolutely uh but check them out on glare on uh glarymusic.com check them out on facebook uh, it's g-l-a-r-r-y i don't know why i spell that every episode but, <laughs> but uh some people it's always hard to hear uh but you got very little adjustment right out of the box yeah. i just had to adjust mine just a little bit they give you the tool to do it give them a call at 1-606-404-6286 again 606-404-6286 check out glaria guitars and uh yeah uh, good sound of guitar <coughs> all right so here we go the golden bear the golden bear we've been working on this particular episode for two weeks now you know just the schedule of way everything right. goes i gotta keep watching the kids because i told kurt i said it's i gotta leave here by four fifteen at the latest to go get the kids so uh but all throughout the last two weeks every day at work i'm coming up to you telling you something else i figured out yeah. in my research yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't know Arnold was in the Coast Guard. I did not know that. No. I didn't know Arnold was a Mason. did not know that. Um, you didn't know why Jack was called the Golden Bear. did not know that. And here in about 30 seconds, you guys are going to know, too. And need smoke. Yeah. Okay, so Jack William Nicholas was born January 24th. Damn, January 21st, 1940. Do you know where Jack's from? Let me tell you this. His alma mater... And his hometown is part of the Big Ten in collegiate sports. Now, where do you think he's from? I mean, there's a lot of Big Ten. He's he's Big Ten conference guy. Minnesota. Wisconsin. Okay. You know how my school, shout out AACC, Miami Hurricanes, they're known by the U, right? right. It's the only school in Division One collegiate sports known by one letter. What's the only university – in the world, you know that says the instead of the. From the. Oh, Ohio. come on. Uh, Ohio State. Yep. Yeah. Jack Buckeye, was a Columbus yeah. boy. Okay. Buckeye. His father was a semi-professional football player for the Portsmouth Spartans. Fun fact. Which yeah. I told you this. Let's see if you remember. Oh, boy. Or any listeners out there, and I'll give you a blank second. Do you know who the Portsmouth Spartans football team would become when they went to the NFL. Okay. Uh, well, five, four, three, two, one. Giving the listeners a chance. The Portsmouth Spartans would become the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I do remember that now. Charlie Nicholas, Jack's father. So I fire up a lucky strike. <laughs> Uh, was an avid, well-skilled golfer as well as a professional semi-football player. Uh, Jack attended Upper Arlington High School, whose nickname and mascot are coincidentally the Golden Bear. Bear. Okay. In Nicholas's senior year, he was an honorable mention at Ohio at all Ohio selection in basketball as a shooting guard. Uh, he played track and field, football, baseball, tennis. He didn't take up golf until about the age of ten. He scored a 51 for his first nine holes he ever played. What? A 51. A 51? Yeah. It's kind of high. It, yeah, but first time he ever played? Yeah. That's At the Soto Country Club. That's that's proven fact. That's That can be fact-checked. I mean, that's not that, that bad, though, is it, for the first time? 
That's pretty dang good. Him and his dad joined that country club. Uh, he was coached by the, a club pro named Jack Grout, who was a te- Texas contemporary of golf, and he de- helped develop guys like Byron Nelson and Ben Hogan. So right away, this yeah. guy's kind of watching a group, and there's already a, elbows there's already a yeah. good pedigree right yeah. there, Byron Nelson and Ben Hogan. He would become – Grout had played successfully on the PGA Tour and would basically go on to become Jack Nicklaus's lifelong golf instructor. Jack Nicklaus overcame a case of polio as a teenager, by the way. Wow. I did not know that. I didn't either. I love fun facts, do you? Yeah. Not really a fun fact, but I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, just yeah, said, I yeah. love fun facts about someone having polio. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong yeah. with you? Yeah, I don't know. Oops. I tell you that that vibe when we record, it's just different on a Friday mid morning yeah. versus a late Saturday <laughs> yeah. night, ain't it? Yeah. Oh shit. I'm not gonna feel like I'm dying when I leave here because it's not gonna be three a.m. on the haunted, right. scary roads. Right. Uh, Jack Nicholas won <laughs> five straight Ohio State Junior titles at the age of twelve. At 13, he broke a 70 at Skoto Country Club for the first time and became that year's youngest qualifier into the U.S. Junior Amateur, where he survived three match play rounds. He had earned a handicap of plus three at the age of 13, the lowest in the Columbus area. He won the Tri-State High School Championship, Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana at the age of 14 with a 68, and also recurred his first hole-in-one in tournament play that same year. At 15, he shot a 66, which was an amateur course record, and qualified for his first U.S. amateur. He won the Ohio Open in 56 at the age of 16, highlighted by a phenomenal third-round score of 64, competing against avid course professionals. In all, he won 27 events in the Ohio area from ages 10 to 17. What do you got to say now? He's pretty good. Yeah? Um, that's impressive. And he did pick up a club till he was 10 years old. So he didn't play as long as he didn't have that. Uh-uh. Well, attending Ohio State, he would win the U.S. Amateur twice in 59 and 61, and he won an NCAA championship in 61. And then in 59 in the U.S. Amateur, he he defeated two-time winner and defending champion Charles Cole by one in the final 36-hole match where he birdied 18. This was significant not only because of Cole's proven ability as a player, but also because Nicholas became the then youngest champion in the modern era, second only to Robert Gardner, who won it in 1909. There's some deep stats for you. (laughs) Right. In 61, he became the first player to win the individual title at the NCAA championship and the U.S. Amateur in the same year. This was uh, followed by Phil Mickelson in 90, Tiger Woods in 96, Ryan Moore in 2004, and Bryson DeChambeau in 2015. Bryson DeChambeau. First time I've ever heard that name. Really? Uh, we never asked. Bryson? Bryson's uh, a PGA uh, pro. I've never heard. I haven't been following it the last couple of years. You know that guy that gets mentioned in every episode, Adam Sweet? Yeah. Ask him about Bryson DeChambeau. Okay, I will. Will do. <laughs> Nicholas won the Big Ten Conference Championship that year. 
Uh, he won the Western Amateur in New Orleans. In his second and last U.S. Amateur win in 61, he defeated several guys. Conv- uh, I, just, I just put several guys because I didn't want to list all the names. At Pebble Beach in a 36... 36- Pebble Beach. That's not a hard course to win. No. Or that's not a hard course to beat. Right. Uh- did Jack Nicholas redesign that golf course? Nicholas was in course design. That might be in the course design part later. We'll find okay. out. Okay. Um. Then in the nineteen, oh you bitch, yeah, bitch. Hang on. It's taking it a minute. Technical difficulties. Well, you know, you'll have that on them big jobs. Yes. In the 1960 U.S. Open, 20-year-old Jack Nicklaus shot a two-under par, finishing in second place two strokes behind the winner, Arnold Palmer. This score remained the lowest ever by an amateur in the U.S. Open until Victor Hovland beat the record just about three or four years ago. Nicklaus played the final 36 holes with Ben Hogan, of all people, who would later go on record as saying, quote, I just played 36 holes with a kid who should have won by 10 shots. Look out, Arnie. <laughs> that came from Ben Hogan. That came from Ben Hogan. Huh? Wow. I like Ben Hogan. I, I did too. Yeah, for sure. During the final six holes, Nicholas was two under par. He had shot every round of the tournament at or below par and was the only entrant to do so. Nicholas led by two shots with six holes to play. And then in later on in 1960... He tied for 13th in the Masters. He tied for fourth in the 61 U.S. Open, three shots behind the champion, Gene Littler, having played the final 54 holes, one under par. Each of these first three major championship finishes designated Nicholas as a low amateur. However, Jack Nicholas is one under par, tied for the seventh in the 1961 Masters, and he was second that year only to Charles Coe. And then he tied for second with Arnold Palmer at seven under par, shooting a combined 281, one shot behind champion Gary Player. Player. So. Which is a pretty good golfer in his own right. Uh, Gary Player? Yeah. Man. Yeah. He was always, always at the top of the leaderboard. Like always. Always, yeah. Let's see here. A little big guy, too. He wasn't very big. Gary Player? Yeah. No, he was not. Like five five or something like that. I don't know. He's a little big guy. Rip it. So I got some more amateur stuff here, but we're just gonna go ahead and skip through that. All I'll say is, for three straight years from fifty nine to sixty one, he was named the world's top amateur by Golf Digest. <coughs> Nicholas obtained uh, a, or excuse me, Nicholas attended Ohio State from fifty seven to sixty one. He majored in pharmacy. Had good grades. It's my phone going off. Oh. It was a uh, bleacher report thing. Anyways, he, he intended to follow his father into the pharmacy work after graduation. But as his golf career achievements started piling up, he changed his mind on his career path and switched programs to study insurance. At that point in time in his life, he planned to remain an amateur golfer and earn his living by selling insurance. Well... You know, yeah. money's too good to walk away from. Yeah. Uh, for the first time, he worked in an insurance field. He also attended college. He married Barbara Bash 
1940, who was a nursing student. Oh, BB. And in July of 60, they had their first of, ch- first of five. Jack Jr. was born. The following, month, he was, the following month after his first child's birth, he was intent on becoming the first amateur to win the Masters. And then in early November, he decided to change his mind once again and announced that he was going to turn professional in order to support his family. So you can't walk away from the money. No. So in late 1961, Jack Nicholas officially turned pro and began his career on the PGA Tour. Uh, technical difficulty. That's, 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 that's my new line, technical difficulty. He debated the idea of remaining an amateur in order to further emulate his idol, Bobby Jones. However, he realized that to be the best, he would have to compete against the best and compete more often. Shortly after turning pro, his future agent, Mark McCormick, there was that name again, was interviewed by Melbourne Age writer Don Lawrence, who inquired about the American golf scene. When McCormick described Lawrence, or when McCormick described Nicholas, Don Lawrence would refer to the large, strong, and blonde player as the Golden Bear, a nickname that would go on to stick with him, you know, because that's also his alma mater. So That's pretty cool. Nicholas won his first PGA start or won his first PGA tournament at his 17th start. He and Arnold Palmer were tied for the lead at the 62 U.S. Open in Oakmont after rounds three and four were played on Saturday. Oakmont. That's this, this is one of the high points of their rivalry, the 62 Open, which I'm think we're, I think I've got more notes about that in later detail. Nicholas won the Sunday 18-hole playoff and earned $17,500. That's $15,000 plus the $2,500 playoff bonus. Far behind Gary Woodland's check for $2.2 million for the 19 Open. So that's significant. Right. But for the money purposes, for today's money, that $17,500 comes out to about $151,900. <laughs> Uh, Damn inflation! The 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 galleries <laughs> on the fairways and behind the tee boxes were very vocal in their support for Arnold Palmer, who had grown up nearby in Latrobe. But Nicholas won the playoff by three shots, beating seventy-one to seventy-four. In ninety in ninety holes, Nicholas had only one three putt green. Let's get her done. Yep. Oh. <laughs> That's impressive. Holy shit. That U.S. Open victory made Nicholas the reigning U.S. Open and U.S. Amateur Champion. The f- this major championship win was also his first PGA Tour win. In addition, at 22 years of age, he was the youngest U.S. Open champion since Bobby Jones won at age 21 in 1923. And he remained the youngest winner until the 2015 U.S. Open when 21-year-old Jordan Spieth uh, uh. would go on to win. The U.S. Open win thrusted Nicholas in the national spotlight. He was on the cover of Time Magazine. He was. This was really the beginning of the Jack Nicholas versus Arnold Palmer rivalry. This is what attracted viewers to golf on television. Yep, for sure. It's what it drove attendance up at the golfing Golf, events. Yeah. And then by the end of 62, Nicholas had won two more tournaments, which were back-to-back, the Seattle Open and Portland Open. He tied for third in his first appearance in the PGA Championship. 
Nicholas completed the year with over $60,000 in prize money, the equivalent to about 515000 in today. He made 26 of 26 cuts with 16 top 10s and placed third on the PGA money list and was named Rookie of the Year. He also collected or he also won the inaugural staging of the World Series of Golf uh, and collected another 50000 equivalent to about 428000 <laughs> I know it's he's a lot. Make, of, he's making a name for himself right away. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm reading off a whole lot of shit here. Yeah, you're doing a good job, bro. Yeah. I mean, it, definitely filling this in. Give us a little background on it. Well. I mean, it's, you got to. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there. I, it's interesting. Everybody seems to like the, the, you know. Yes. In 63, Nicholas would win two of the four majors. He won the PGA Championship. He won the Masters. These victories would go on to make him the then youngest winner of the Masters and the third youngest, youngest winner of the PGA Championship. And each win came in just his second year as an official pro, along with three other tournament wins, including the Tournament of Champions. He placed second to Arnold on the PGA Tour money list with just over $100,000, which is the equivalent to about $850,000 today. He also teamed with Palmer to win the Canada Cup, which is now what we know as the World Cup of Golf. He represented the United States for that. Um, USA. Yeah. So he, at this point, his his rise to fame's pretty much taken off. And what's interesting is, you know, he's represented by Mark McCormick as I've mentioned numerous times, a pioneer in sports agents, one of the first real sports agents in the world. And he's got probably, arguably, two of the top ten players in golf. He's got the greatest in Arnie. He's got Jack. But do you know who else he managed? Gary Player. Gary Player. The third of the big three. So Wow. So this guy is getting money and endorsements yeah. rolling in from these guys, and then he's passing it on down to them. The Palmer-Nicholas player rivalry developed into the so-called Big Three of golf. And in the early 60s, McCormick set up a series of televised golf matches around the world among the three. And then in the 70s, Nicholas left to set up his own management agency, Golden Bear Inc., and he also signed a contract with the now-defunct Eastern Airlines. Hmm. Remember about Eastern Airlines? Uh, vaguely. Vaguely. Real cheap. I remember hearing about them. In 64, he had no major victories, but he had three runner-up. Uh, he led the PGA Tour money list for the first time in his career, beating out Arnold Palmer by an exact amount. I have it. $81. <laughs> I'll be dang. It's $81. $81. For Andrew Jackson's dinner. So, in 64, 65 here, at the Open played at the home of golf, St. Andrews, Andrews, Nicholas set a new record for the lowest score in the final 36 holes with a 66 to 68 in high winds. Yeah, it's very windy. Me and Asher were checking that course out yesterday. Very windy. It's, you know what, it is relatively inexpensive to go play 
Of course, you know, over there at St. Andrews, they now have four or five courses. Right. But they do have the right. the St. Andrews, right. the old course. It's relatively inexpensive to play. Really? It's all in Euros, and we translated it. I don't remember. It, it wasn't bad. I've been playing About it. About 100 bucks. I've been playing that hole on my phone here on an app. I got golf app. It's like the home of golf. Challenging. My boy John Daly picked up a major win over there. Yeah, yeah. Man, how, he, he could hit it a mile, man. How cool would it be to be John Daly? Yeah. Go to Hooters all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hit, hit a few drink, golf. hit golf balls, hit golf balls smoke right. on the golf course, and you still come away with a couple of majors yeah, in your yeah, career. Yeah. I, think Daly, I, like, I like John Daly. I mean, I thought. Daly's got two or three majors. Asher goes, Who's that? John Daly. We're totally different. He flip flop in personality, we know. We talk somebody like Arnold Palmer and John Daly, but you know, it'd be fun. Grip it and rip it and rip it. <laughs> yes. By the way, John Daly credits Jack Nicholas as probably being the best ever. He he learned a lot from Nicholas, but anyways, yeah, we'll do a John Daly episode yeah, sometime. We'll have to do that, yeah. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Nicholas would win the Masters in '65 and '66. Becoming the first back-to-back winner and the youngest two- and three-time winner. He broke Ben Hogan's 72-hole scoring record of 274 uh, when he compiled a new score of 271. Of course, Tiger Woods would break that record, and that record would be tied by Spieth. In the 1965 Masters, Nicholas hit 62 of 72 greens in regulation and had 100. 23 putts of just one three putt. This was good enough to win by nine shots over Arnold and Gary. The margin of victory was a tournament record that would last for 32 years until Tiger won by 12 in 97. The week's performance was highlighted by a third round 64 that consisted of eight birdies and zero fucking bogeys. Wow. So he was eight? I'm pretty sure if you go back in history... I mean, everybody's got a bad day. Yeah, Everybody has a yeah, bad game. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure the word Nicholas and Bogey don't yeah, you he, don't see them paired together no, in a sentence no. very often. Uh, he's up or down or ahead for sure. Jack, Jack would save that third round 64. I have never before and have never since played quite as fine a round of golf in a major as I did in the third round of the 65 Masters. Um, trying to pick out like certain high points. Uh, the after Nicholas's performance at Augusta in '65, they made some changes to the course to make it a little tougher. The modifications in the difficult weather in the '66 Masters didn't stop Nicholas. He successfully defended his <laughs> title with an even par score of 288, uh, 17 shots higher. He won an 18-hole playoff over uh, Gay Brewer. Um, Nicholas led the PGA Tour money less again in 65, this time by a healthy margin over everybody. Nicholas competed in 28 official worldwide events in 65, winning five victories, seven runner-up, 19 top five, 23 top 10, and zero missed cuts. In 66, he won the Open Championship under difficult weather conditions. He used his driver just 17 times because of the heavy rough. Huh. This was the only major he failed to win at that point. 
Nichols was part of another title for the U.S. in the World Cup in Japan. He concluded 66, playing 22 official worldwide events, four victories, four runner-ups, 14 top fives, 16 top tens, and zero missed cuts. Then in 67, he won the U.S. Open for a second time. See if I can pick anything out. He also finished runner-up in the Open, third in the PGA Championship, one shot out of a playoff between Don January and Don Massengale. And then in 67, Nicholas led the PGA Tour money list for the third time. Later that year, Nicholas and Palmer would team up for a 13-shot wire-to-wire World Cup victory in Mexico. Mm, nothing important. Uh, see, sometimes I put too much shit in here, but we never hell we never know uh, what we're gonna well, need, yeah, bro. Uh, all right. Um. Nicholas won the '67 U.S. Open in record-breaking fashion, although he did not win another major championship until the '70 Open at the Old Course of St Andrews. Um. Trying to look and see. Nicholas finished runner-up in both the 68 U.S. Open and the 68 Open uh, to Lee Trevino Lino. and uh, Gary Player individually. Nicholas did not make a, his appearance in the Ryder Cup um, in 69. It's not really that important. I don't get big into Ryder Cup things, I man. I, I don't. I mean, if people do, that's fine. I just it's it's an all right format. I mean, it, I mean, it's it's the end of golf, isn't it? For the year, the, the big kind of yeah. All right, we'll skip back. We'll we'll skip ahead a little bit because it's you know we didn't say he didn't win anything major, so we'll skip ahead a couple years. So, uh, in February nineteen six, February nineteen seventy. Nicholas's father died of pancreatic cancer at age 56. <coughs> Five months after that, Jack Nicholas won the 1970 Open under difficult conditions where they had 56-mile-an-hour wind gusts. Oh, but wow. he won that in an 18-hole playoff. 56-mile-an-hour uh, wind gusts? They had 56-mile-an-hour wind gusts, uh, and you're over there in Scotland. Uh, that'd be... I mean, it's wide open. Brisk is the first word that comes to mind right there. Brisk. Can you imagine trying to tee off oh. on a par 5 and 56 mile an hour wind gust? Into the wind? Yeah, into the wind. Uh, uh, it'd be hard not to swing over swing is the first thing that comes to my mind. You know how it is. I mean, uh, which is the biggest mistake a golfer could make. Yeah. Okay. I'll let the club do the work for you. Nicholas threw his putter in the air after sinking the winning putt as he was thrilled to one, win the Open at the home of Golf St. Andrews. He would go on and say, I was playing good golf, but it really wasn't that big of a deal to me one way or the other. And then my father died, and I sort of realized that he had certainly lived his life through my golf game. <coughs> I really hadn't probably given him the best of that, so I sort of got myself back into work. So 70 was an emotional win for me from that standpoint. It was a big boost to my confidence. 
Uh, uh. I'm, I'm just looking, bro. I need a drink. We're at one hour exactly. So with his win in the 71 PGA Championship, Nicholas became the first golfer to win all four majors twice. In this championship, Nicholas was the only player to break 70 consecutively in the first two rounds under windy conditions. He finished seven under par with a complete 281. Impressive. Impressive? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> a wind is just a terrible golf element, man, really. I'd rather it, play in the rain I than would the too, wind. I would, too. It, it not only, I mean, it fucks with your head, too, basically. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm not a big fan of wind, period, to tell you the truth. Nicholas's play in the 71 made an impression on the very young Nick Faldo. In order for Faldo to take the game seriously, by the end of 71, Nicholas had won four additional PGA tournaments by... Um, and with a $244,000 official PGA Tour earnings, Nicholas established a new single-season money record during the year. That's about $1.6 million in November 2021 dollars, so not a bad day at the office there. He uh, World Cup with more Lee Trevino stuff, some more Ryder Cup stuff. And I just don't want to get into it all. Uh, Nicholas won the first two majors of 72 by three shots each in wire-to-wire fashion. He won the Masters and the U.S. Open, creating talk of a calendar year Grand Slam. Nicholas opened with a four-under par 68 at Augusta and never looked back. He was the only player under par for the week as he and the field battled difficult scoring conditions. And then in the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach... Again, under severe scoring conditions, Nicholas struck a one-iron on the 218-yard par 317th during the final round into a stiff ocean breeze that hit the flag stick and ended up three inches from the cup. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, pretty impressive. Very impressive. So... That victory was Nicholas's 11th professional win, tied him with Walter Hagen, and this would make him the first player ever to win the U.S. Amateur and U.S. Open on the same course. Now we skip ahead to 72. Nicholas won seven tournaments that year, was runner-up three events. He did not win the Grand Slam, as Lee Trevino repeated as the Open winner, and Gary Player prevailed in the PGA Championship, Nicholas closed out this remarkable year in 72 with the second of three consecutive Walt Disney World Golf Classic victories. Uh, He played 20 events worldwide, winning seven, placing second and four, 15 top tens. What else we got? He won 1973 Ohio's Kings Island Open. He'd become the first PGA Tour player to win a tour stop on a course that he himself designed. The PGA Player of the Year was awarded to Nicholas for the third time and the second year in a row. And he was the first player to win over $300,000 
in an official money for a single season in 72. He eclipsed that threshold again the following year with 308,000. So in November 2021 money, that's 1.9 million for the year in 72 and 1.8 million in 73 as inflation trended downward slightly in 73. Uh The I had something else here about money too. All this stuff in '73 catapulted Jack Nicklaus to over 2.1 million dollars in career PGA or Tour earnings, uh, making him the first player in history to do that. And that's uh, about 12.2 million dollars in today's money for career earnings at that time in the '70s. So, twelve million dollars would be a lot of money in '73. Yeah. Which I mean, that's what the equivalent of what it is today. Right. So, uh, damn it, Nicholas didn't win a major in <laughs> he didn't win a major in '74. Uh, th- where we're at now in the mid set, so we all know the story of Nicholas's '86 Masters comeback. This is the year before I was born. So we go through about a ten-year period here from '75 and '76 to eight, where there's just not a whole lot of I mean, not saying he didn't win any events, right. but there, there's no real. Yeah, because I mean, he he kind of trended downward for a while. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I he did drop completely out of the spotlight. I mean, that's the time era I could start remembering watching golf, you know, at a younger age, and he was always in the mix every turn. Kind of like somebody else from my generation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tiger. Tiger. Yes, always in the mix. Every Sunday when the golf, you know was on tv he was always on the leaderboard if not leading leading never failed yeah yeah it's my earliest memories is walking around in a gold jacket or the gold sweater you know and there's some there's even some things in here in this note in this 10-year period where you know he he uh he missed some uh playoffs just edging out, missing the playoffs. Uh, but he would still be placing sometimes on the money winner list. <clears throat> you know, he's still getting awards and stuff. But it was still about a 10-year period where it was kind of on the downside of his career for a little while. Uh, Wasn't Arnie? Arnie was kind of tapering off, kind too. Of, yeah, yeah. 77, Nicholas won his 63 tour stop. Passing Ben Hogan to take second place on the career wins list behind only Sam Snead at that time. Uh, he also became the first player to amass over $3 million in official earnings. So it's like $14, 15000000 million a day's money. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Now, he, he won... Like I said a minute ago, I should have corrected myself. I'm not saying he didn't win any majors in that 10-year span. He just wasn't winning majors at the rate at what he was. There were still a few outliers. Like 78, he won the Open again at St. Andrews. You're you're talking the uh, competition is Well, it's it's changing. Yes, it's getting more. uh, As our boss mentioned, technology was advancing. I wondered when we were going to bring it up. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll really get that later on, but, but... Technology is really starting to advance yes, here. Right. 
as right. far as equipment goes. Ben Hogan with the friggin' Hickory Woods. Yeah. You ever hit a Hickory Golf Club? Yes, I have. Is that not fun? It, it is fun. It's it's challenging for sure. There's one one little sweet spot on that club. That's it. That's it. Yeah. What would Arnold Palmer have done in the '60s with a big 540 cc head driver? We'd hit it to the moon. <laughs> Good grief. Uh. Yeah, literally, for those who don't know, golf, the first clubs were actually carved out of wood. Yeah. yeah hickory was a... Hickory, a, uh... Which, we had a lot of hickory around here. There was hickory, there was, uh... I've even seen some, like, uh, mahogany, mahogany clubs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whatever was native to that... To the region, region that you yeah. were living in. Yeah. I can't imagine sitting around whittling a... Putter. A golf club, a putter. <laughs> um, where are we at? Uh, seventy-eight. Nicholas. Uh, no, excuse me. Seventy-nine. Nicholas suffered a lapse. Did not win a tournament. Did not win a major. Uh, seventy-nine. He was completely winless. Did not win a single tour stop. He only had one runner-up finish. Plus, he tied for second with uh, in the in the open. Uh, he would not win another tournament again until June of 1980. Previously, Nicholas had won at least one tour stop per year, a record he shares with Arnold Palmer, and a minimum of two tournaments per year for 17 consecutive years, which is both a PGA record. So during that offseason, Nicholas addressed problems that hurt his performance. His lifelong teacher, Jack Grout, noticed that he'd become too much uptight with his full swing, which caused a different approach to to the ball versus a direct hit. So they corrected that by having him flatten out his backswing a little bit. Oh. Uh, then Nicholas's short game, which, by the way, uh, I'm, I'm going to point this out because this is funny. Uh, one thing about Nicholas, um, he wasn't a good putter. No. Which I'm not either. No. He, but, which we've, yeah. we, we bring this up because the clip I showed you, so there was a clip on the on get in your YouTube machines. There's a clip that was filmed about 12 years ago or so, 11 years ago, back in 2010. Uh, there's a bunch of seniors playing on the senior tour or the tour champions, and they're on this green somewhere out west. I don't know where it's at, and it's a hundred and like 102, 103 feet putt. It's one of the biggest greens I've ever seen. And I don't remember who Jack Nichols was partnered with. And this guy's like on the edge of the green there somewhere. It's like 107 yards of the hole or whatever, 90. there. I mean, it's a huge yeah, green. Yeah, I can't stress huge. that enough. And the guy's thinking about taking a wedge and just doing something. And Arnie or Jack says, just putt it. He said, Jack, there's no way to putt that. He said, what do you mean you can't putt it? You want me to putt it for you? <laughs> so he walks out on the green where this guy's at, gets about five feet from where this guy's ball is, throws his ball out there. The crowd starts laughing. And Jack Nicholas takes two looks at this thing, takes his putter, whacks that son of a bitch, boom, right in the hole. And we're talking like it goes up and down. It goes up and down. And he wasn't a good putter. No. That uh, was crazy. Check that out. Check out Jack yeah. Nicholas, hundred yard putt or hundred, yeah, it's, whatever. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could, 
literally so, took two looks at it. Yeah, <laughs> hit it right in. That's crazy. That kind of a player, though. I mean, he had to kind of. 100 yards, 100 feet, whatever the fuck it yeah, was. In the hole. Yeah. So, but he had somebody working with him uh, named Phil Rogers, uh, who had been a PGA Tour rival for Jack Nicholas earlier in his career. And it worked. In 1980, uh, it worked a little bit. Uh, he recorded some top tens, um, finished you know, second place in a couple majors, set some more records as far as uh, money, whip it, money wins and blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to get up here. I'm just really looking for... In the, in the 1980 PGA Championship, Nicholas set a record when he won the tournament by seven shots over Andy Bean at Oak Hill. The win was largely due to Nicholas's improved and exceptional short game. Nicholas shot an even par 70 in the first round. This was followed by three successive rounds in the 60s over a difficult course. He was the only player to break par for 72 holes. For the week, the field averaged 74 strokes while Nicholas averaged 68. So, uh, between 1980 and 1985, Jack Nicholas accumulated seven more top 10 placements in major championships, including three runner up. He won only twice on the PGA Tour during this period Colonial Invitational in 82, which, by the way, I have often said uh, through a friend of mine who pointed this out that if you know golf would have a fifth major, where would it be? Certain places, Colonial yeah. would be up there in the discussion. Yes. Uh, in '83, Nicholas closed out the PGA Championship and World Series of Golf with brilliant final rounds in the '60s. Uh, finished runner-up in Player of the Year voting. Uh, despite not winning a tour stop in '83, Nicholas finished tenth on the PGA Tour money list and passed a significant milestone by being the first player ever to eclipse $4 million, which is about 10.6 in today's money. Uh, 85. Not a whole lot there. You know, he's doing some good, doing some bad. 86, though, was the remarkable comeback. Yeah. And he's 46 years old in 1986. I, I, I can remember this. That's the year before I was born. Yeah, I'd been uh, old as dirt. I've been 15. Yeah. Nicholas would win his sixth Masters. He posted a six under par 30 on the back nine for a final round, seven under par 65. At the 17th hole, Nicholas hit his second shot within 18 feet and rolled it in for a birdie. Uh, and he raised his putter in celebration. And if you get on YouTube, uh, that's one of the most. That's one of golf. The, the most downloaded videos about golf. Yeah, was Nicholas's '82 Masters celebration. It was awesome. Uh, they became the oldest Masters player in his or the Masters winner in history, which still stands. Forty six years of age. Uh, the Golden Bear. The Golden Bear. So and then here I have a whole bunch of people talking about how significant this was. You know, the U.S. team shouldn't have been able to beat the Russian in the 80s Olympics. Jack Nicklaus shouldn't have been able to shoot 65 to win a master at 46. But, you know, here we are. Yeah. 
at the 1998 Masters, Nicholas was 58 when he tied for sixth. So I just wanted to put that in there because I was looking at particularly Masters stuff. He was eligible to join the Senior PGA Tour or Tour Champions when he turned 50 in January 90, uh, which he you know decided not to do or did he do I don't know he would uh he contemplated retirement I guess but he kept playing uh I don't remember how many majors he won on the senior tour uh I got a whole lot of stuff about his senior tour he was still winning I just don't really feel like I want to bring all that up it's in here though right um i'm just looking for like significant stuff sorry folks i i didn't get time to finish prepping this like i said i was about 90 percent done but i knew we had to get this one in the can today so it's a little rushed we'll be all right uh let's let's take a break here and just uh plug a sponsor okay So check out Black Rifle Coffee Company, a veteran-owned company, by the way, which, you know, all month long we're supporting our veterans. So uh, check them out on Facebook. Check out their .com. They've got cool swag for men and women, hats, T-shirts, tumblers, all sorts of stuff. They have great coffee, several different flavors. They also have tremendous energy drinks, which uh, I had one of those. Not this one. This one's a monster. I ought to shout them out sometime, but... Uh, they got a whole bunch of great stuff. I usually have a couple of uh, Black Rifle Espresso energy drinks in the morning. Wires me up. I go. Does it wire you up? I go up to Kurt every morning. Hey, what's up, Kurt? What's up, Kurt? What's up, Kurt? What's up, Kurt? He's pretty chipper. And more. I was chipper this week for a whole other reason. Yeah. Yeah. Dirty dog. Dirty. But yeah, guys, check seriously. Uh, check out Black Rifle Coffee Company. Support a veteran-owned company. Yeah. Uh, for all your energy, coffee, and swag. 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 You got swag, bro. <laughs> Thank you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, so basically, I, I got a whole bunch of senior tour information about Jack. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and uh, put a stop to that. There. To understand the type of player that Jack Nicholas is, uh, the guy was doing phenomenal things even after he went to the senior tour, which is supposed to be, for all intents and purposes in golf, when you get to the senior tour, it's supposed to be yeah. a fun thing, yeah. and uh, you not take it so serious, and Jack took it pretty serious. Jack was bringing it, yeah. So, uh, I would like to start to get to... Uh, Excuse me. I was right in the mic. I'd like to start getting to some more different stuff here. Uh, Nicholas devotes much of his time to golf course design and operates one of the largest golf design practices in the world. In the 60s, Pete Dye initially requested for Nicholas's opinion in the architecture po- uh, process of, of golf clubs in suburban Columbus. Uh, <coughs> Nicholas considered golf course design to be another facet of the game that kept him involved and offered a challenge. His first design 
was the Harbor Town Golf Links. Uh, uh, I did not see where that was at. South was, Carolina, Hilton Head. Did he do Hilton Head? That's a beautiful course too. Yes, I, well, uh, I play that one on golf too. Yeah, I, I just got him playing it while ago on the phone. Let's see what all we got here. Uh, his first solo course design was the Glen Abbey Golf Course in Oakville, Ontario, Canada, which opened for play in 76. This hosted the site for the Canadian Open for many years. The oldest golf club in the United States, the St. Andrews Golf Club in New York, was redesigned by Nicholas in 83. In 2000, the King and Bear Golf Course opened in St. Augustine, Florida, as a joint collaboration between Nicholas and Arnold Palmer. Uh, and it just continues yeah. and continues. Well, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. In 2005, it's estimated that Nicholas Design Company had 299 courses open for play, which was nearly 1% of all the courses in the world. While the majority of the Nicholas Designed Courses are located in the United States. The company has designed golf courses in Asia, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Europe, and Mexico. And it's estimated that Nicholas Golf Design had a hand in nearly 32,000 golf courses. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty cool. I yeah. Mean, that would be awesome, I think. In 2009, Nicholas Design Golf Courses had 12 courses ranked in Golf Digest 75 Best Resolve Golf Resorts in the World. Uh, Nicholas is an, a published author. He has several, several golf instructional books as well as an autobiography, which is a tremendous read, by the way. I have not read it, but I've read numerous excerpts from it uh, throughout the research for this week and uh, as well as seen it in years past. Uh, John Daly, again, love John Daly. Uh, he accredits a lot of his learning to reading some of Nicholas's early instructional books. Uh, he had a couple of video games. Um, he continues this day to manage the Memorial Tournament, which he founded in Ohio. Uh, the Memorial Tournament continues to be the PGA Tour's philanthropic, uh, philanthropy, philanthropy. That tough word. Yeah, it took me a minute. Uh, with several Ohio charities, the most significant is their relationship with Nationwide Children's Hospital since '76. It raises more than 5.7 million dollars a year towards programs at the Nationwide Children's Hospital. Uh, there's also some more children's hospitals throughout the United States. Uh, the Nicholas family established the Jake, a pro-am golf tournament played annually at the Bears Club in Jupiter, Florida, in honor of their 17-month-old grandson, who had drowned in a bath in a hot tub in 2005. So they did they didn't give that money to charity, children's hospitals. Uh, I have just I got more shit about his golf course designs in here. Um, Nicholas owns Nicholas Golf Equipment, which he founded in '92. Manufactures equipment in three brands: the Golden Bear, the Jack Nicholas Signature, and the Nicholas Premium. These brands are designed to target golfers at different stages of golfing ability. 
nice. which I think is cool as shit. Yes, that is uh, cool. I just had a word association thought. Save it. All right. Okay, save it. Uh, of course, you know, there's uh, the Jack Nicholas and the Arnold Palmer drinks. So he's, he's got his hand in that. He's uh, in 2010. Nicholas partnered with Terraletto Wines to produce a collection of three Napa Valley wines. Um, in 2012, Golden Bear Reserve, a Bordeaux style red blend, was released to mark the 50th anniversary of his first championship major in '62. Um, during his career, Nicholas was one of the longest and straightest hitters on the tour. He won numerous long drive competitions. Boy, I just keep rolling here. Yeah. Aren't you glad that I do this part and not you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I got to switch these around. I mess them up every time. Yeah, well. I think I could be an idiot, though. I put. I, I never know what to put. You, you could be an idiot. Though. I think I could be an idiot, though. No, well, I put all this I shit in, and then, you know, sometimes we use it, sometimes we don't. That's good. It's good. Kurt's like, it's good. It's good, dude. I, I, it's all right, bro. I mean, got to stretch, son. Sorry, I, yeah, I just had to thought a minute ago about the word association. Save it, or are you going to forget it? Well. All right, hit me. Jack Nicholas. I know the first thing as you're reading all this off and all this stuff you're reading off, the first thing that comes to my mind is golf. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like the dumbest but smartest thing ever. Jack Nicholas. 18 majors. Yes. Champion. Champion. Winner. Winner. Yeah. Proven winner. Proven winner. Uh, let's keep rolling. Fucking. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Jack Nicholas. <laughs> golf. What the fuck? I just, it's, I've got I mean, more. He's got his hand in, everything he's got his hand in is golf. I mean, it just, if you say Jack Nicholas to anybody, the first thing that's going to come to mind, well, he was a golfer, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, I got a whole bunch of shit about just hit the way he, hit about his golf game. I don't, I'll t- I'm not even going to go into it. I put it in here in case we need a time filler or in case we need a, let me tell you about Jack Nicholas's golf game. He hit the ball. He couldn't putt very well, but he didn't have to worry about hitting because he usually got it close enough to where he was only five to six feet from the damn hole anyways. Uh, and he won a lot. That's right. that's his golf game. Uh, you ask any great golfer, I bet, at one step that was struggle with it. You know, you got your tee off, you got your middle game, you got your approach, and then you're putting it. I'd say, uh, yeah. In 2001, Nicholas was honored with the Lombardi Award of Excellence from the Vince Lombardi Cancer Foundation. Uh, There's a Jack Nicholas Museum on the campus of the Ohio State University. There's a whole he does a whole bunch of stuff with Ohio State all the time. See what else we got. You can you can listen. You can hear it in the headphones. Yeah. Me hitting the down tab. So yeah, basically, um, we're just ending it here as, as far as this part goes. 
Uh, I skipped over a whole bunch of stuff after he hit the senior tour, and then we got into some of his philanthropy. Uh, May 19, 2014, the United States House of Representatives voted to pass H.R. Bill 2213 that would award Nicholas the Congressional Medal Congressional Gold Medal in recognition of his service to the nation in promoting excellence and good sportsmanship. The bill says that Nicholas's magnetic personality and unfailing sense of kindness and thoughtfulness has endeared him to millions throughout the world. Uh, several congressmen objected to a voice vote and demanded a roll call vote. Uh, congressman Thomas Massey, don't know where the fuck state he's from, didn't bother to look. He tried to rally opposition to the measure, but the vote easily passed over his objection 371 to 10. <laughs> Kurt's like, hmm. Nicholas holds the record for PGA majors with a total of 18, Tiger Woods in second with 15. Nicholas has the third most tour victories with 73 behind Sam Snead, 82, and Tiger with 82. Nicholas holds the record for most wins at the Master with six and the Players' Championship with three. He played on six Ryder Cup teams, captained the team twice, the President's Cup team four times, Top the PGA Tour money list and score an average eight times apiece. And for 24 straight seasons, from 60 to 83, he made at least one top 10 finish in a major. He had 73 PGA Tour wins, nine European Tour wins, three PGA Tour Australia-Asia wins, 24 other wins, 10 wins on the senior tour, and seven other senior wins. And then I got a list here of all of his majors and who shot second and how he won, and I'm not going to go through them. He won 18 of them. Okay, so I know that was a lot of information to take in, no doubt about that. But I really wanted to kind of set the tone for this episode for people to appreciate the rivalry. In order to do that, I wanted to leave no stone unturned with the backstory, career, life, and times of these guys. That way, even if you know... Don't know shit about golf. By the end of this episode, you'll know enough. You can formulate your own opinion on the rivalry and determine if what you want. If you ask, I need a cigarette. If you ask the timestamp, Kurt, where we at? One thirty. Hell, we're doing. We're we're balling, son. I ain't gotta leave here for two hours and forty five minutes. If you ask the modern youth of golf, they'll claim that probably claim I know I would think that that Tiger versus Phil is probably the best rivalry in golf and to a point that's probably true but if you ask purists of the sport the generation or two before me before you the premier rivalry was Jack versus Arnie and some could even argue Jack versus Arnie versus Gary but you know sorry Gary maybe another maybe another episode no disrespect. No, di- yeah, but the this was a bitter, fierce, but highly professional feud. Yeah. <laughs> it set wheels in motion for what golf would become in today's era, uh, with the way it generated fan interest and television broadcasting of the early days. There's no denying Arnold was probably the favorite, the apple of everyone's eye, and then here comes Jack, yeah. busting onto the scene and. They strapped the fucking rocket to his back, yeah, yeah. and you know, yes. Uh, <clears throat> the one thing about these feud that people don't talk about a lot, though, 
or maybe they do, and I just haven't. Known, is the respect, especially from Arnie, after he saw Jack's rise start to happen? You know, Arnie knew this kid's going to come nipping yeah, at my yeah, heels. Yeah. But Arnie never said a bad word about nope. Jack, which really speaks to the character the of Arnie, the, of Arnold Palmer. Yeah. I, you know, how could you not like Arnold? Palmer? Well, come on, hit me with it. Say it. What do you got? Well, I just his appearance, his demeanor was professional, courteous. Yeah. He was a courteous. You know, you could just tell he really. Well, they treated each other. With the utmost yes. respect. And a lot of things in the world today could take a lesson from that. Oh, of course it could. I mean, it's all right to be a rival. But in the end, we all got to live on the same rock, so let's get along. <laughs> Philosophical phrases from Kurt <laughs> fucking Kelly. According to to most observers, the rivalry between Nicholas and Palmer kind of reached its height in the 62 U.S. Open in Oakmount, which I told you we'd circle back to. It was here that Jack Nicholas overcome a three-shot deficit to Arnold to force a playoff. Nicholas and Palmer then went back and forth. Uh, Also, the you know Arnie's army was out in full force rooting against this kid. But he beat Palmer in the 18-hole playoff by three strokes, 71 to 74. That tournament would go on to kind of mark the turning point in the rivalry, despite the fact that Arnold was still played at an extremely high level. From that point on, Jack clearly took the upper hand in the rivalry. Nicholas was the player on the rise, while Palmer was still on top, but was going to start his slow, very slow descent because he's going to stay on top for a while. But he's going to start a slow descent back down. So, which makes me want to beg the question. You know, you know, Arnold Palmer was 10 years older than Jack. Right. He'd been on the tour eight years when Jack finally came on in 62. They went head-to-head at Oakmont, you know, the whole story. Yeah. Palmer would go on to just win two more majors between 62 to 64, while Nicholas would win 17 more following that 62 Open win. Between 62 to 70, Palmer won 23 tour stops, including two majors, while Nicholas won 30 times, including three more times as many majors as Palmer did. Palmer was just about done by 68, just six years after Nicholas got on scene, so it's not... So had Jack continued to stay, well, who knows? Who knows? And with technology changing so much yeah. the way it did, uh-huh. who knows? So here's what I'm going to ask you, because there is some people that don't believe there was a rivalry. Was there a rivalry between Palmer and Nicholas? Well, there ain't no doubt about it. They were both, first of all, they were both competitors. That's going to... Uh, Creative rivalry. Well, I mean, yes, I'd say, yeah. I got a little something for you, and this comes from a Bleacher Report article released in 2015. Damn it, keep bumping the mic. There is no way to edit that out. No, I cannot find a way to mute. I've played with that editor so much. You can just, you folks just hear it. That's why we need the stands and the boom mic and the shock mount. Yeah. We're going to get some eventually. Clip them right here to your table. 
Well, yeah. Okay. Anyways, I lost my fucking place. Bleacher Report <laughs> article, 2015. So I, the art. Well, it could possibly be argued that a rivalry existed on the course from between 62 to 68 and even maybe a few years after. But it could also be made that the real rivalry was off the course after the two began competing with course design projects. Okay. Yeah, so They both had their hand in that, didn't they? Oh, For hell sure. yeah, they did. Which, Absolutely. Which would just be an awesome job, man. To design golf courses? Yes. yes. Oh, my God, yes, bud. That's what me and Adam Sweet's going to do one day. There you go. You so, guys hire me to work the course for you? You're the head groundskeeper, there bud. Free right play. On. Woo. Uh, I got something else here. Let's see. Growing grass and stuff like that. I got green thumb gardening and stuff. It would work out all right, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah, it would. It would. Oh, God, you're an idiot. <laughs> what? What? So, I mean, I'm looking here. Uh, this is kind of the drag point where I was rushed and I didn't get all the prep done. So, so yeah. Uh, going back to what I said earlier, um, both men actively consider the other to be the greatest player they've ever seen so which if, if humble would be another word well i mean that's the same thing that unfortunately i hate tom Brady. that's the same thing that peyton and tom did yeah. tom peyton go oh, tom's the best to ever do it right. tom would go ah peyton's i've never seen a player like peyton he's got to be the best but only one really meant you know <coughs> i always wish they would be mic'd up and forget their mics are off yeah, that yeah. way they go Back in the locker room, so you really hear because yeah. you know you gotta you gotta to to borrow a wrestling term you gotta be the baby face here and you know put the other guy over yeah. But with Jack and Arnie, I kind of don't see that. I, I kind of think that. they no. believe. I think they really believe yeah. the other one was the better player. Right. And for Jack to say Arnold was better when Jack had uh, you know nine it's, or ten more majors than Arnie, uh, they're just being humble and a lot of respect for each other. Yeah. Which. Once again, it could go a long ways with. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Jack would say, "Did Arnie and I agree on everything?" Ah, hell no. no. We had differences, <laughs> but I will promise that if I ever had a problem, Arnold Palmer was always there for me, every second, any time, and it was vice versa the same. Um. I mean that's that speaks a lot of volume, right? So I don't know, man. That's all I got. I guess uh, maybe a whole bunch of other shit. It would be nice if I had like another hour to prep, finish prepping this. But these are just uh, this here was a hell of an article. I was gonna put a bunch of quotes and shit in, but I don't feel like doing that. So. <laughs> if I would have just had that, I fuck fell asleep last night, dog. I got home from work. <laughs> And uh, I guess you pooped out. Yeah. Yeah. Fried yeah. chicken last night. Yeah. yeah. That happens. Yeah. The fried chicken. Yeah, fried chicken. Fried chicken sounds good. I want some fried chicken. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. You're not a also, chicken guy. 
I'm not a chicken guy, but I'll, I'll take the gravy. We got to make some gravy after that. Out of I don't know what fat man don't love gravy. I bleed gravy. All right, so I'll tell you what. Let's, uh... Oh, man, we got a whole bunch of sponsors to plug yet. I don't know. Maybe we can... Let's do this. All right, guys, Christmas is coming up. And for you ladies out there, want to get your man something, that beautiful bearded bastard, check out Beauty and the Beard Co. on Facebook. Uh, they have the .com. It's Beauty and the Beard Co., not company, Co. Uh, and use our discount code, SteelToes15, at checkout for our listeners. Uh, great swag, soaps, beard kits, oils, the works, everything to have your man's beard beautiful and luscious and looking a hell of a lot better than Kirk Kelly's beard. <laughs> I don't have a beard, so I can't say shit. I'm 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 beardless. Thanks, so, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, check out Beauty and the Beard Co. These uh, this is a small-owned company in Marysville, Ohio. They'll ship wherever. They are uh, super, super nice people. Check out the podcast, fans of the podcast. They like what we're doing. Apparently, I know where half of our streams from the state of Ohio are coming from yeah, now. Yeah, so, yeah. But uh, check out Beauty and the Beard Co. Like I said, use our discount code SteelToes15 at checkout. I did, yeah. I got my haircut. What else you want? You do have a haircut. You did yeah. come in. That's, he's, this dumb fuck was putting his headphones on. <laughs> and he said, "Oh fuck!" I said, "What?" He goes, "My head, my headphones don't feel right." I said, "What?" He goes, "I got a haircut." I'm like, "Oh yeah, you lost about ten pounds of hair there, you hippie." <laughs> so he was, he was over here. Is looks so stupid. He was trying to adjust his headphones because he's never had, fit anymore. He never right? had a fucking haircut since we recorded the first episode seven eight months ago. Yeah. So he's sitting here adjusting his. Like a fucking idiot. Hair's overrated, by the way. That's why I don't have any. Yeah, that's probably not. You know what? Take my hat off a minute. Oh, whoa! Ow, my eyes. Oh, hey, there is. Let me feel. Hang on, let me feel. There's about four days worth of hair up there. I was gonna let it grow back in. I was gonna do a mullet. See, you. I want to grow a mullet. You you can pull off the bald look, though. I mean. when it's freshly shaved, my grandmother, my 77, 78-year-old grandmother, tells me I look like a big, fat, walking penis. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which, at her age, she's kind of earned the right to say whatever the fuck <laughs> she wants. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to let it grow out. Full I was going to grow gir- a mullet. Full of girth, too. Then. I was going to grow a mullet. <laughs> And then my grandpa passed away the next day. So I decided I was going to shave it one more time so I looked clean and presentable for the funeral. And then I just started shaving again. Plus, it'd take a long time to grow hair in for a mullet. That's why I say hair is overrated, man. It's like, my, I either would, I don't know, I'd look pretty silly if I shaved No, head. with your beard, I think you'd look all right. Y'all let me shave it. Fuck no. <laughs> no, no, no. It's no, winter no, time. No. It's winter time, and it's going to get cold. And you wear a hat all the time. I mean, you know how much heat you lose out of your head, right? I mean, <coughs> um, I don't yeah. want to freeze to death or anything. 
So, this is kind of, we're just to the end here. Like I said, folks, I apologize for the way this episode ended. Oh, his fault. We, <laughs> I wanted to get a little more into the can there, and it just, we were pressed for time, and I really wanted to get this episode done today so we could get back on track for next week when we resume our regular Saturday right, schedule. Right. So, okay, so where are we at here? Well, All right, let's... uh. We about ready to run into it. We just get into the rivalry part of it. Yeah. And basically, we're just, uh, you, you tell me. Sell me on this. What was the rivalry? Was well, first and foremost, it was golf. The two best, probably the two best at the time. I mean, you know, they're, take they're, out Sam Sneed and yeah. take out Hogan and we're all these guys. A lot of good players at the time. You know, Trevino, Byron Nelson, yeah, Lee Trevino. Trevino. Shoot, uh, Ernie Els, uh, all the guy that waved his wand and uh, waved his club at the hole after he'd make it. Oh yeah, ah, uh, oh. yeah. Okay. What's every? Was it salad? Ballesteros. It, yeah, it was competition. A lot of good players. Friendly competition, yes. though. Well, I mean, part of it is they knew that they was going to be icon or. And they want to present themselves as <coughs> respectful, humble, great golfers. That's what it's about That's at the end of the day. That's what it's about at the end of the day. And there is an etiquette to golf, right? Right. For sure. So, right. we'll do a little word association. And this is going to have to be off the cuff because I have nothing written down. So, um, I'm just going to rapid fire. Yeah. So, Arnold Palmer. First thing that comes to mind. First thing that comes to mind. Don't care if it's one word. Don't care if it's 20 words. Gentleman. Jack Nicholas. Competitor. Arnold Palmer versus Jack Nicholas. Competitive. Golf then versus golf now. Uh, wow. There's a big difference. Okay. Just on, on the, just the fact that the equipment is coming. I mean, the technology is coming along really, really fast. Jack Nicholas with eighteen majors. Yeah, wow, impressive. Arnie with only seven majors. Surprising. Surprising. That's that's, that's fucking that's a good one. Jack Nicholas versus Arnold Palmer. I don't know. Greatest rivalry in golf at one time, maybe. Jack Nicholas versus Arnold Palmer versus Scary Player. The greatest <laughs> menage a trois of golf. Ooh, <laughs> menage a trois. Uh, I bet. Sure bet. <laughs> so I want to tell you all a story real quick. <laughs> story I just, time. I just, right. about, I just about spit a Java monster all I, over I, the I, mic. I got him. So I saved, by the way. Adam, Adam Sweet. I tell him he's famous all the time because he's he's the only person that is mentioned in every episode. Because we he's in the show open. We talk about him here. Um, We're trying to get him on the podcast with us. He's our boss, but he's mentioned in every fucking episode. So sure bet. This has been a thing forever. It's a sure bet, sure bet, sure bet. That's what Adam does. Well, then, 
we had a laugh because the way Kurt just said sherbet <laughs> made me think of when I taught. I had to teach Kurt weird flex, but uh, okay. okay. <laughs> so, I, when I taught Kurt weird flex, he still didn't quite understand. So I had to get Adam over there. We taught Kurt weird. So the whole week, everything would say, be like weird flex, but okay. <laughs> like Kurt. Can you help me pick up this cardboard? <laughs> Weird flex, but okay. Yeah, and he would use it for the dumbest thing. Sometimes he wouldn't even use it right, but you would just laugh anyways. I was like, Kurt, I can't lift this cardboard. I was like, my hands, it hurts. It's just the dumbest things. Well, and they, I mean, I try to keep the day alive a little bit. He'd be like, hey, can you help me put this? Uh, I'd be like, hey, Kurt, can you help me stack this material? I can only, I can't get it by myself. I'd be like. Oh, weird flex. Okay, well, that doesn't even apply here, Kurt. But it just—it was—it was funny. Oh God, yeah. My best friend and co-host is an idiot. <laughs> Hashtag two idiots talking sports. Hashtag tits. We are also known as the Tits Podcast. Tits Podcast. All we need is somebody with a nice cleavage for our logo. We're taking applications out there, folks. Yes. Taking applications for some cleavage pictures, and we're going to switch it to tits. Send all photos to you. (laughs) Send all photos to my inbox. I'll call you for an interview. All right. Weird flex, but okay. (laughs) You got any word associations for me? I feel like you always answer. He's left at my last one, so I ain't going to do that. Okay. Well, I mean, I was going to give you a chance for a... Bro. Bro. I was going to give you a chance to... You know? That's horseshit. <laughs> Come on, bro. Okay. Again, uh, we want to shout out all the uh, and thank all the veterans all this month. Every episode will be dedicated to retired and active members of the United States Armed Forces. I know you guys don't probably give a shit that we're doing this. I don't know how many veterans are listening to the podcast, but we want to thank you anyways. I sincerely thank you. Yeah. Uh how many sponsors we got left to plug two i was going to save this one for the end but we'll just kind of hit it real quick here just real quick yeah uh somebody was doing that last week wasn't he (laughs) am i allowed to plead the fifth yes okay (laughs) i know nothing (laughs) so guys uh you save the best for last much love to our girl. She's been working her butt off here this fall with all these festivals and things going around. So check out Nana's Aroma LLC. Uh, check her out at nanasaromas.com or check her out on Facebook. Ships all over the U.S. She's located in uh, beautiful Palmyra, Indiana, Harrison County. Not that far from me. Uh, she has a store, but due to COVID, she's and uh, you know, as we said before, she lost her husband unfortunately to COVID last year. So she requests that you make appointment in advance. She'll open the store for you. Uh, every candle is custom made from start to finish, even the labeling. She does it all herself. She does more than just candles, though, guys. She has air fresheners, max uh, wax melts, uh, warmers, all sorts of stuff. Uh, every batch she makes of everything is done in small quantities for better quality control, which I just love that stat. It's like, you know, you can watch your product better. Right. Sometimes mass production ain't the best thing. Right. Vaccines. Uh, <clears throat> just keep it. Keep it. 
So uh, she sent us a free candle. Uh, which I told her she didn't have to. Blueberry cheesecake. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, it smells so good. You, just, you want to lick the candle yeah, exactly. almost. But uh, yeah, you got to check out Nana's Aroma LLC. Give her a phone call. 812-972-3670. Again, that's 812-972-3670. She is, without a doubt, as far as these sponsorships go, been our biggest supporter. Nana, we love you. We yes. hope you're doing well. And uh, help this great small business out. Absolutely. Buy some beautiful candles. You go to her page, I bet you she's got over 100 different fucking candles on there. List that she's made. I mean, I need, oh, man. I need to check it out. I need a couple candles. Oh, dude. I love, I've got a candle fetish. I love candles, bro. Fire. 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 All right, son. So, I guess this is the point now where we start figuring out what we're going to do because now we have a, I won't say a five-day turnaround. We'll technically have a six-day or a eight-day turnaround. So, I'll have a little time to prep. So, um, you know, unless unforeseen circumstances. I'll be damned if unforeseen circumstances Uh happen. I will be here Saturday night with bells on. That's a dangerous Knock on wood, hurry. Yeah, knock yeah. on wood. Okay. <laughs> he said they're knocking his head. At least it wasn't your crotch. <laughs> so on our remote episode the other week, where we was having trouble with the BTA, so you were on speakerphone for the first hour and five minutes. Yeah. Did you ever listen to that episode? No, I have not you yet. Dick. <laughs> dick <laughs> so i had mentioned numerous episodes so i mentioned a handful of episodes that i had wanted to record oh i need to cross off jack versani by the way so i had numerous episodes that i had wanted us to try to record before the end of the year and that might still be the case but it's a you it's know approaching fast every time you look at this list another one pops out that you forgot about so <sighs> I'm just looking to kind of see what's on here. Yeah. We've done some good stuff. Yes. And there's some good stuff on here. We uh, officially have an episode crossed off all four pages except for the last page so far, which, by the way, well, maybe this last page goes all the way up to number 96. Uh, we're, we have 90 episodes on tap. So you you were getting ready to say maybe we do an episode off the page that don't have anything yes. off of it? Yes. Huh. What all do we have listed on this one? Let me see. Or read them all to me. You know what? I will read off every episode on this page. This is page four of the list. And we have on here the 83 QB draft class versus the 2004 QB draft class. We have the Patriots, Giants, Super Bowl 42 and 07. NBA draft 2003. LeBron James draft, by the way, for those that don't know, revisited. What if special? Kobe versus LeBron in the finals. College football ex- playoffs expansion. Russell Westbrook's triple double season a few years ago. Is racism in sports prevalent today? Ooh. Top 10 greatest athletes of all time. What if special? Carmelo gets his ring. Pro athletes and domestic violence charges. Uh, coach firing midway through the season. A look back. LeBron's rookie year, the 1985 Chicago Bears, the 1986 New York Mets, top 10 world 
uh, top ten wide receivers of all time, 2007 New England Patriots, sports injuries and medicine, or the 95-96 Chicago Bulls? Huh. What were you writing? Were you writing all that shit down? I, I was trying to. I was going too fast, huh? He was going a little bit fast. <laughs> I mean, I heard, I heard, I heard a couple of them that kind of stuck it, stood out. I, I bet 80, I know which one stuck out first. Eighty-five Bears. Eighty-five won. Bears stuck out. Eighty-six Mets stuck out. Yeah, that was going to stick out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably the two thousand three NBA draft. That yeah. was a great class. You had LeBron. You had Dwayne Wade. You had Carmelo. You had Bosch. Yeah. God only knows what all you what else you had, and I don't remember. So I mean, what, what's a couple more that kind of stick out to you? Just. On this li- on the, on yeah, this page, yeah, yeah. top ten greatest athletes of all time. That's gonna be hard because that's you know there's a lot of professional athletes, right? You know, boxers or professional athletes, MMA, yeah, wrestling, yeah. race car drivers. I get yeah. I, get, I, yeah, I, mean, I guess. I guess. I said, what do you say? I, I mean, mean, you got to be in fit, or you can't slide through the car. <laughs> hey, I definitely um, couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rim shot. Yeah, well. <laughs> Top ten wide receivers of all time would be I, fun. I'm not far behind you. I could fit in there neither. Huh? <laughs> what? Top, yeah, that was another one that stuck out. Top ten receivers. Let's see. What? Let's uh. Let me. I kind of like what we did there last weekend with that uh. The when we did our pickums. Yeah, that was, that was just something. That's just that's, no, right. that's no different than a glorified version of what, what we, do we do to work, work. almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's not all we do at work. Just in case we got anybody in brass listening. <laughs> Whoop. I was going to look at our Spotify. Let's see our episode list rundown here. We've got quite a bit of content. We have Yeah, quite a bit of content. This would this one's gonna be our sixteenth episode, not counting all our bonus episodes. Um well, I'll tell you what. What are you in the? I mean, you didn't got to pick it. What what sport are you wanting to do? I mean, well, I mean, that two thousand three would be a big good NBA. I guarantee you, if we if we don't stay with that page, you know, we've often talked about steroid and baseball. Anybody that does a sports podcast. About all sports or a baseball, though is the steroids in baseball. Yeah. I guarantee you, we'll be sitting at this son of a bitch for four or five hours a night. We do that. Yeah, there's a lot to cover there. Get a pizza, have yeah. some fun. Um, I got a lot of. I don't know. It, that that'll open up a lot of discussion. Probably. Okay, so here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. Shut up, Google. Yeah, Google picked. She started gearing up. Is that the notebook I bought yes. you? Yes, it is. Aww. <laughs> I bought him headphones for our remote episodes. Got a built-in mic. You just go, aww. I did. I went, aww. You freak. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's what we're going to do, Sunny Jim. I'm going to give you three topics. I'm going to give you three topics. Uh, we got eight-day turnaround until I'm here next Saturday night. So we got eight days. So I've got to start work on it this week. I'm going to give you three topics. Okay. And you're going to pick what we do. Uh, not sure how I'll do this one exactly. I guess just go through the entire draft, but we'll do the 2003 NBA draft revisited, 
basically will look back at that, see all players that got drafted in the right. I think the NBA draft still only two or three rounds. We'll we'll look at every player and how they've averaged out so far. So we'll we'll revisit that. So you got the two thousand three NBA draft. Uh top ten greatest athletes of all time. Or and I'll even let this this next one here, you get to pick twice because you're going to pick the third option and then you get to pick what episode we finally do. So the third option comes down to the 85 Bears or the 86 Mets. Okay, uh, 85 Bears. Okay, so then our options for next week, 85 Chicago Bears, top 10 greatest athletes, or the 2003 NBA draft. Well, you got to leave it to me for it. I mean, they're all three good subjects. Well, because I make, I like to make you sweat a little bit. You got to do some work. I don't like sweat. You're, hey, I sweat and never work. You know, you pick more episodes than I do because I, I kind of regulated that oh, to be your job almost. Oh, oh, because well, I do all the, I, I do all the work. It's now your, I know. Oh, oh, okay. Or you can also pull your trump card. I'll pull a trump since, card since it's. Uh, you don't even know what that means. <laughs> I'll pull the trump since, card, folks. Since I, I make your job to be. You only have two jobs, film study, so we got something to talk about. And I usually, nine times out of ten, leave you in charge of picking episodes. So the trump card means where you wipe all three of those off and you pick what and you pick something completely different. Oh, no, I ain't wiping them all off. Okay, no, well, that's no, what I trump card means. No, you get a, all, right, all right, no Trump. Okay. Vote Trump. <laughs> so it's the 2003 draft, top ten greatest athletes of all time. Which will be fun. Or the 85 Bears. See, I don't go to the top 10 greatest athletes. That's what you want to do? Yeah. Son, that's going to be fun. Yeah. And you know, we're always cheating on, we cheat all the time on steel toes and scoreboards because we usually do, we do a, we do a five honorable mention. So actually we're picking 15. So here's what we're going to do. Okay. You're going to pick 10 athletes. All right. I'm going to pick 10 athletes. Okay. We'll get the list together like we did with the Steelers episode. Okay. And then from that list of 20, we'll pick 15 because we'll have 10 and then we'll have honorable mention. He's going to make me work a little bit. That's all right, though. Yeah. And I'm going to need that list by the end of the weekend. I'll give you all weekend to think about it. Okay. By the time Sunday gets here, I'll only have like six days left to prepare. No, that's a good turnaround. Okay. I get that done. Okay. That's going to be fun. Top 10 greatest athletes of all time. This will be. Wheels are spinning already, folks. Number one greatest athlete of all time. Number one greatest athlete? Yeah. Crazy. Don't say Jordan. I wasn't going to say Michael Jordan. No. Uh, I don't know who I was going to say yet. I mean, wow. That might be tougher than what I thought. <coughs> well, yeah, because, you know, is do you go just by physical ability, what they can do? Do you go by stats Jeff and championships? Gordon. Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon. Okay. I know. Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders are my favorite athletes. Hey. I'm not even a Cowgirls fan. There you go. There you go. I can get on board with that. Yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm, I'm not going to say this was an A-plus episode, but I definitely think we earned a B on this. A low B, high C. Yeah. If I'd have just had one or two more hours left, if I wouldn't have fell asleep last night, uh, I could have finished. Man. Yeah, I could have put finished pulling it all together. But Sammy's a fuckhead. <laughs> okay, so 
we're gonna end the we should end the episode with a song of the day bro that's what i that's what i did last week yeah so uh what what kind of genre are you in the mood for uh, you gotta pick something uh, country or throw me a band or something throw you a band nirvana you want to do nirvana yeah okay so all right guys so we hope you enjoyed this episode i mean it wasn't the greatest we've ever done but it's solid it's, yeah we'll be all right i mean it, it definitely was no 2004 alcs or 85 world series which is probably i put them as our two of our top five best yet but uh this was a pretty good one so you picked okay i know exactly what i'm picking so you're gonna end with nirvana right yep okay so we'd like to say as we said again we own yeah no rights to this audio all these rights go to the producers the writers the performing artists the record label we own absolutely none of this content and uh this is our song of the week so this is going to be from the greatest mtv unplugged ever nirvana's unplugged and it'll be their cover of uh where did you sleep last night you so for kirk kelly jared atkins give me some bro we'll uh let you guys hear a little nirvana and uh you guys have a good rest of your week that's really fucking loud bro. Yeah, holy fuck i gotta turn all my headphones down Cool little thing we do. Yeah. Song of the week. I like that. Something different. Dude, every time I hear this song, you do something. I guess I should let them sing it. That's all right, man. You can sing along if you want to do that. Not very, not very good. Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Had one of the best voices. Raw. Hear that old Martin guitar? Yes. That acoustic. Not trying to interrupt the song, but this is a left. This is a right-handed Martin guitar. Yeah, that he's playing fucking upside down because he was a lefty. So he's doing all the chord changes backwards. Which is insane. Yeah. He's playing the chords backwards. Yeah. I think I think he knew. This is like six months. Four, yeah. Five months.
Have a good weekend, guys. We'll see you next week.